Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'd like, thank you all for tuning in to the show. As always, I have my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 108th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. Got a quite a bit to cover for this week. But the first thing we're about to get into is the NFL. Just about to recap on that, that NFL draft that we just had last week. Uh, just to get right into it, guys. Uh, just overall, what were your thoughts on the draft? It was kind of, well, I mean, just from the start, it was full of surprises. And, you know, stuff was all over the place. Uh, the Browns came out out of the box and it kind of changed the complexion of the whole draft, I, I feel. Yeah, you know, I would definitely agree with that. But I feel like as many surprises as there were, there was a lot of underwhelming things that happened as well. Um, not only from, you know, my Lions, but also the fact that, you know, you had oh, a couple of guys slip. You had uh, some guys get drafted, what a lot of people deemed was too early. Just, you know, whether you want to call it a surprise or not, yeah, there were surprises, you know, Baker Mayfield. But there was also a lot of picks that kind of made you scratch your head and wonder what was going on. We'll uh, touch on uh, those surprises. Um, just a quick second. One surprise uh, you guys just touched on was this Baker uh, Mayfield. Um, going number one, uh, we'll just get him out the way with, uh, since a lot of people, you know, since you guys kind of agree with on that one, but just thoughts on him going number one in the draft, man, to Cleveland. I mean, there have been reports about it for the few days before. And real quick, yeah. shout out to you, man, because you kind of called that, uh, you know, you, you texted me the information, and everything. You were kind of called that a little bit on the, uh, paper and everything, man. So good job on your part. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, even when the front office changes, it's still the Browns. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess it wasn't totally a shock that they went with Baker. But, I mean, it's still just being a mind where you have three other quarterbacks that are considered more like surefire NFL-type quarterbacks. is It's a shock, uh, especially – when, you know, how people try to bring up red flags on players to run them down. Baker has quite a few, uh, with on and off the field antics, you know, running from the police, grabbing his jock, uh, strapping after winning a game against Kansas, like a team that's not even very good, you know, planting the flag at o Ohio State. It, it's just kind of crazy. Just somebody like that could still go number one. Where you had, you know, Sam Darnold, who is squeaky clean by everything we know, and everybody said is pretty much a prototype NFL type quarterback. Josh Allen has the size and the arm talent, uh, may not be as accurate as as Baker, and then you got Josh Rosen, Rosen, who seems to be like a perfect fit as far as talent goes, but, you know, there's the so-called red flags because of his uh, outspokenness and question of his love of football because of how smart he is, basically. But it was – it's not shocking because there were reports about it and it's the Browns, but you still scratch your head and go, really? They really took this chance. 
where, you know, this is their chance where probably they had, they had four quarterbacks to choose from. They chose the one that everybody would pick for. Yeah, I would, you know, piggyback on everything that was just said there. Um, can't really add a whole lot more, but, you know, when the report came out, we all kind of texted each other and we're just like, are the Browns going to be the Browns again? And, I mean, I think Trey, you brought it up. They've had what, like 20 different Yeah, I think he is, uh, everything goes right. Uh, I think he'll be the 29th starter, uh, since 99. Yeah. Which is absolutely unforgivable. I mean, you're, you're telling me you can't really stick with a guy for three years? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, how many drafts as of late have they taken a quarterback? I just can't produce the talent. I mean, for a minute there, you could have said Pep Hamilton was the issue. And as a Michigan fan, I would claim he might be. But it's like he, he's not there anymore. Like, you continuing to screw up quarterbacks is no one's fault but your own. Like, is your coaching staff that bad? Or are you just that bad of a judge of talent? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just super confused because... You can only blame coaching for so much of this team's demise. You can only blame, you know, front office for so much of it. But just the formula that is the Cleveland Browns is almost unthinkable. I mean, I give myself a hard time for being a Lions fan. I could not imagine being a Browns fan. Yeah, I mean, the one saving grace for this pick is they did sign Tyrod Taylor, who I think probably will be their day one starter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Mayfield. But, yeah, I don't think Mayfield would even see the field unless it's garbage time for yeah. a few weeks. Yeah, I mean they they have Taylor and they also have a, another veteran backup with uh, Drew Stanton. They signed him too, so he he does have some players he can learn from, but it's still just. They, they can at least bring him along slowly, but it's still surprising that that was their pick as their quarterback of the future. Yeah, yeah I can get what uh, both of you guys are saying, you know, but just kind of like what I texted you guys, uh, you know, with the whole quarterback, many quarterbacks that they had, man, they just, you know, they pretty much tried everything, man. So, you know, I, I can see, you know, definitely them going with, a, you know, Rosen or Darnold or something like that, but, you know, they just need to blow the whole uh, – this whole Cleveland Browns team up, man, because it just doesn't seem like nothing's been working for them. So hopefully, you know, with this, you know, like I said, you guys pointed out, you know, some problems that they've had with uh, with them and everything like that. But, you know, hopefully it could be that piece that could uh, possibly turn this team around down the road or help, you know, contribute to that. But just have to see, man, you know, 29 different starting QBs since a 99, man. That's a lot, man. So. Just have to see, bro. But anything else to uh, add for Baker Mayfield? Wish him well. I mean, I I don't want him to fail. Yeah, it's just I just mm-hmm. don't think it was the best fit or situation for that team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if he can prove everybody wrong, I mean, Baker's done it. I mean, dude started as a walk on. Uh, yeah. In college, you know, being the highest trophy winner, so he, he's got a competitive nature to him. He's got a chip on his shoulder, so he, he has a chance to prove 
things wrong. I know there's a Johnny Manziel comparisons, but he's he's a much better quarterback than Manziel was, in, in my opinion. He's much more accurate, probably has a, a better arm talent and not as likely to go out of the pocket and try to freelance. So, uh, but it, it, it was a little bit of a baffling bit. You think he was, yeah. uh, well, just real quick, you think he was a better yeah. QB than uh, Manziel? Uh, Darnell, do you think he was just a better uh, NFL, um, would be a better NFL uh, QB than uh, Manziel, just based upon their skill sets? Both. Both? Okay. I mean, Manzo, he was, he was a highlight reel in college. Like, he, he was an awesome college quarterback to watch, but he was also helped by having a giant of a wide receiver that he got to just throw balls up to. Yeah. So, but Baker, Baker's a pure quarterback. He, 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 he's only 6'1", so he's like right at the minimum height that you want for a quarterback. So the Browns are hoping they found their Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or something like that, which is, you know, 32 quarterbacks in the league. There's only two of them that are right at six feet tall and are very talented. And they were drafted, what, 12 years apart? So it's, it's not a common thing to happen. So you hope that they, I mean, for the Browns' sake, just because that franchise is terrible, I mean, for their fans, did right here. But, you know, they're taking a chance. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, like Darnell said, it's the on-the-field stuff. It's the off-the-field stuff. But, I mean, to be fair, the guy won some big-time games in college. Um, I mean, now, to be fair, so did Manziel, but I don't think... I feel like Mayfield and Mansell just have some different types of red flags. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody wishes him poor. Um, but I mean, the guy is competitive and he loves to win. So you got to give him that at least. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Now you uh, talked about some other surprises in the draft. Um, just what were some other things that, uh, got you, caught you guys off with the draft? Well, I'm going to stay with the same team. Uh, I thought Bradley Chubb would have been oh, right yeah. next on their, their list when they came back uh, to him since he was there, but they went with Denzel Ward, who was a very good corner. But everybody's saying Bradley Chubb is just one of those once-in-a-lifetime pass rushers, and that's that's a premium in the NFL if you get something like that. Yeah. Basically, these days, the like – it's quarterback, left tackle, and then DN. Like, if, yeah. if you have a star at one of those three positions, you're good. So it was pretty shocking to me that they passed up on that. So, I mean, the Cleveland front office is definitely doing things different. Uh, I mean, the first pick was – it was still a quarterback. They, they went with a position of need there for the future. Uh, they went with – one that most people weren't expecting to be the top pick, but then when they looked at defense, <clears throat> they still went out outside of, you know, norm or like outside of everybody else's draft grades. So that one, that one was probably the next shock to me. Yeah. I, 
when Bradley Chubb fell to Denver, definitely a shock. Um, I also thought Denver might try to trade down, but when, you know, these GMs know what's happening three or four picks ahead of them. Um, so if you learn Bradley Chubb's going to be there at five, trading down would have been a bad choice. Yeah. Um, I don't blame them at all. I actually, uh, last week, I believe I said I thought Denver would try and trade down. Um, mainly because I thought it was gone at four. It would be smart to trade down because there's still plenty of talent in the midsection of that first round. Um, even at the second half of the first round, I still felt there was some really good players still on the board. But yeah, uh, Bradley Chubb, definite surprise. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to why you would not want to see Miles Garrett lining up with Bradley Chubb. It's, it's, you, you, you could have had, had something there and you kind of missed it. I wonder if they kind of panicked a little losing Hayden last year. It, that and, seems like and, it, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we got to replace him. We got to replace him. So they jump in and the draft just go, all right, we're going to take the best one with our second pick. It's like, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, it doesn't work. Good player. Don't misunderstand me. But he wasn't even best available. No. So, I think if we really want to kind of point the finger at Cleveland, it would be a pick four, not a pick one. And, and I think, yes, that's giving them the benefit of the doubt a little bit, but I think pick four, they, I think that's where they'll see that they missed out. Yeah. I mean, like Tyler called it out, but I mean, Rich get richer with, uh, with Denver. You got Von Miller and, oh. and Bradley oh. Chubb now. That's, that's scary. scary. <laughs> Very scary. Now, uh, who are just some other people that you thought uh, may have slid to um, far into the draft or possibly got drafted um, too high? Uh, but no, like some people were saying, like uh, Geis, uh, for instance, they think he fell yeah. a little bit. Well, a lot of stuff started coming out late on him. Yeah. Which was kind of odd because, you know, a couple of uh, years ago we had the what, Laramie Tunstall bong hit video. Yes. We never really got what it was with guys. It was always just this mystical, like, something happened, but we're not going to let it out. And it always happens um, with just one yeah. random player. This happens. Every yeah. Year. Yeah, and, you know, guys, first-round talent, and everybody was saying he's first-round talent. But all these red flags, apparently he had a terrible meeting with the Eagles where apparently, like, there was, like, yelling involved or something. And, I mean, he, a lot of teams got scared of him. I think, uh, I believe he got drafted by Washington, if I'm not mistaken. I think Washington's going to land something nice there. Um, now, I'm not saying that, you know, he'll necessarily be the best running back in the draft, and teams that took a running back before him are making the wrong call. But I think he could be one of those players that does very well in the pros. I think he's built for the NFL. Um, but yeah, in terms of another player that I think got drafted too high was Rashad Penny. Uh, uh, San Diego State uh, getting drafted by Seattle in the first round. He was kind of 
I think he was the biggest head scratcher in the first round, in my opinion. Well, especially for um, a team with such a terrible O line, you'd think they'd correct. Try and correct to fix that correct. guard or something. Yeah, yeah, a team with a terrible O line and a defense that's leaving. Yeah, um, it was very odd to see them go running back. Um, you know, R- Rashad Penny had a had a really good year in college. I mean, he was you know running all over the field, but. If we want to look at like a team need, not running back. Yeah. Then other ones I saw I thought were a little bit uh, reach worthy. Uh, the Saints getting Marcus Davin- Davenport at fourteen. Mm. That one, they traded for that. Yeah, they traded up to yeah, do it. Right, yeah. was, wow. So I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, it's like I I know they're trying to build on that defense and on the season that they had last year. But yeah, that one just seemed, I was confused when that happened. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then I'm also going to go with the Patriots who, I mean, I know they're usually smarter than mm-hmm. anybody else, but getting Sonny Michelle at the end of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Like he would have been available or there would have been other, other running backs available if they waited. Oh, well, I mean, to be honest, look where Geist fell. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that really until draft day was being talked about as a top three running back. He wasn't even in the top four running backs drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's, to me, it's the the idea that, you know, I would love to be in the head of these scouts and these GMs. Like, what do they see that nobody else does? Or they think that nobody else does? Yeah. Because, I mean, for them to take a player where they take them, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, their job rides on these moments. Um, So it's like, what do they think they're seeing? What do they think they're not seeing in somebody else? Uh, But yeah, Sonny Michelle, big, big head scratcher as well. I'll agree. All right, guys. um, Anything else to add uh, for that? No. no, I think we got plenty of surprises out of it later. All right. Uh, now, just based upon the players drafted um, in the draft, uh, what players do you think will have a great fit for the team that they could uh, just to start their rookie year off? I think we'll all agree Saquon Barkley. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unless I'm missing something. Like, we're looking <laughs> at a team that needs a running back, a team that has an aging quarterback, and is looking to give somebody the ball to. Saquon Barkley is built for this. He's ready for the NFL. He's a three-down back. Can catch, can run, can do it between the tackles, can do it outside of the tackles. They they need somebody bad. And uh, they haven't had a really good running back. since what, Brandon Jacobs back in the day? <laughs> yeah, that's the last like, time they were efficient. Yes. So, I mean, a fantastic pick at number two. Um you know, I think he's going to be one that'll stand out. I won't be shocked if he's uh, offensive rookie of the year. I think if if we look preseason, that's kind of going to be a no brainer pick. Um, but somebody else that I think is going to be a, a really good fit for their team, obviously Bradley Chubb, uh, just solid. You can like Darnell said, you can never have enough of that. And look at who he's learning from. Like it's just unbelievable that that setup he gets. You were dominant in college, now you're going to come in and be next to the other dominant NFL 
and counterpart. So, I mean, I think those are two just right off the top of the head. Um, somebody else that I think I'm going to give a little bit of a, a little bit of an unfair positive shake to is going to be Lamar Jackson. Um, the, the reason I say him is I, I, th- I just think there's something about him. He's kind of got a little bit of a Michael Vick thing going on. Um, plus two, know, I got to say, man, both of the Ravens quarterbacks are ass. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're, look, we're looking at a guy that could take over the job next year. Yeah. So he can sit for a year, figure it out. He's not going to be Baker Mayfield, who's just going to get thrown into it. He's not going to be Darnold. He's not going to be Rosen. He's not going to be Allen, who are all going to literally get thrown into it. Yeah. And he's going to sit. He's going to learn. He's actually going to have a pretty decent cast around him. Um, I mean, granted, Rosen gets a pretty decent cast around him as well. He'll get Johnson for a few years, but Fitzgerald won't be around much longer. And other than that, they don't really have anybody catching the ball, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I out of the quarterbacks in the first round, I wouldn't be shocked if Lamar Jackson kind of has the best first few years starting when they hit the field. Um, I, I just kind of like what they have there in Baltimore offensively. You know, they signed Willie Sneed. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they get another receiver sometime before the following season. Um, you know, and they're just always a solid football team. So um, if I had to kind of take a surprise, I think he'll do fairly well. I would go Lamar Jackson. Well, my two best fits are going to be late first round picks as well, but First off, I'm going to say Calvin Ridley falls mm-hmm. to the uh, Falcons. Mm-hmm. That that just looks like a scary offense, which they they took a step back this year. But now with mm-hmm. Matt Ryan having Ridley and Julio Jones, who are mm-hmm. similar type receivers. I know they both went to Alabama, but that's not the only thing. They, they're both willing receivers that will mm-hmm. run any route. They will block. They're strong receivers. They both can eat up a lot of grass after catching the ball oh, yeah. the short route. So that that's scary to see on either side that you mm-hmm. got somebody that you might have to double. That's that's scary looking. And then the other one I would go with is uh Tatum Bryant going mm-hmm. to the Jacksonville to yeah. just shore up what's already a nasty defense. Uh interior pass rush and run run stopping just I think he's a nice fit uh, for that that team. All right, guys, uh, let's get right into your. Well, just uh, make sure everybody's good on the players. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, let's get. Uh, let's just start it off with Darnell's um, Cowboys first, man. Uh, just assess your draft, man. How do you think the squad did uh, with the draft picks? It was one of those drafts where I'm just kind of like, eh, like I'm not super excited. I don't think it's terrible. I wasn't, I wasn't really high on the first round. Pick. Yeah, I was about to say uh, how you felt about that one, man. That, that kind of threw me off too. Looking at it, I, I understand the reasoning for it. They they want somebody that they can plug in for Sean Lee's usual two or three games that he misses, maybe four to five. Usually he misses every year. Uh, this is another smart, uh, inside linebacker that 
seems to have a nose for the ball. So I get it, but I just I think there were more pressing needs that they could have looked at. Uh, second round, they went O-line, which the, their O-line seemed to take a step back, so I wasn't mad at that either. Uh, but, but like I said, nothing sexy about it. And then they finally got a receiver in the third round to address uh, the Des Bryant uh, move, dropping him out. Uh, the, the one pick that I did like uh, from them, uh, I think it was, it was it their fifth. I'm trying to run through real quick to see. No, not fifth round. That was when they got a quarterback. But yeah, their their draft it wasn't really impressive. It wasn't terrible, but like I really wasn't, I really wasn't happy with the pick until their last pick and get Bill Scarborough. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a nice compliment. Yes, uh, for Zeke. Uh, I I mean that big body he's made for trucking people in the NFL as long as he's in shape and has the speed to deal with the NFL. The, the speed of linebackers and the size of them. I, I like that pick. I, I, I want to see what they can do with him uh, and see if they can make that a nice one-two punch. Right. Uh, anything to add to that, Ty? No. Um, I do really love the Scarborough pick. When I saw that, I shot Darnell a text and just said he, he could be a steal. Um, he was probably my favorite pick that uh, – that they had just because it's who who it is where they got him. Not necessarily I think he's going to be the best player for them, but just where where they got Scarborough, great pick. All right, guys, uh, let's get to them Detroit Lions. Uh, just thoughts on their picks. Yeah, I would kind of echo not a sexy draft, not – one that is even being very favored by a lot of analysts and things like that. But I think the Lions did very solid. Um, I think they got a couple of players that will be able to plug in right away and help. Um, First-round pick Ragnow uh, was kind of a surprising pick. Not a lot of people saw that coming. He wasn't even on my radar for the Lions to pick. Um, but, you know, when you kind of look into it, you kind of realize, okay, you know, Lions need some O-line help, and that's a good pick. You know, he had over 2,600 snaps in college and didn't allow one sack in four years. Like, that's good stuff. Uh, that's the stuff you want to see from a first-round pick. I also saw he's the highest-rated offensive lineman ever by pro football focus. So whether you want to say there's something there or not, at least it kind of gives you some comfort in the pick. So I, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, then they went with Carryon Johnson in the second running back from Auburn. Guy had a really good senior year. Um, you know, I believe he uh, led the SEC last year in rushing. I believe he had something like 18 or 20 touchdowns. Um, you know, so just seems like a guy you can really run between the tackles. He's physical. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't care to get hit, which, you know, you, you want an aggressive running back. Um, and they followed that up with uh, Tracy Walker, who was kind of their surprise pick. He's a defensive back out of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, a lot of people thought that was a big reach for the Lions, but I saw a picture of the Lions 
draft room when they picked him, and he was the most excited they got over any of their picks. So they see something there, you know, like I said earlier. I kind of want to know what goes through scouts and GMs' minds when they see guys and it's like, what do they see in him? What do they not see in somebody else? Uh, that would kind of be the, the surprise pick there. Um, and then uh, in the fourth, they went uh, Deshaun Hand out of Alabama. Um, I think anytime you pick somebody from Alabama, you're doing fairly well. <laughs> uh, um, he was kind of the the, uh, the D lineman uh, they took there. They they completely avoided the edge rush, which was very concerning for a lot of Lions fans. But I think they're kind of shoring up some other places. I kind of wonder if they'll try to make some plays in free agency or at the trade deadline or something to help that edge rush because um, they saw some other areas of talent in this draft that they didn't see at edge rush where they wanted to pick the edge rushers. So it just kind of makes me make, makes me question a little bit. And then uh, I believe um, their second to last pick was Tyrell Crosby, who was out of Oregon. And apparently everybody says the dude's just a freak athlete. Um, he's just big. He's intimidating. Um, we'll still need to, obviously, whenever you make the jump from college to pro, you still have to kind of, you know, get used to the game, get shaped for that kind of a game. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm excited to have him and Ragnow hopefully joining the line and making a pretty immediate impact. I think Ragnow will um, make an immediate impact. Crosby might take a year, but I think Crosby is going to be one of those fifth-round draft picks that ends up just being solid. Um, but, you know, one of the best takes I heard uh, on Ragnow, which is the first-round pick, was, you know, he's going to be a name you never hear. And for an offensive lineman, that's a very good thing. So I'll, I I really like the Lions draft personally. A lot of people are kind of seeing it's very average, but I actually really like the Lions draft this year. I think they just picked some solid guys, uh, shored up a few spots that they need some help in, and... Um, as anything else, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I agree. I'm not mad at their draft at all. Uh, with Rag now, they, from everything I've read, he has potential to be able to play three positions on the line. Mm-hmm. To have an NFL lineman that you can switch between both guards and center, I think that's pretty good to have that kind of versatility for if in, the injuries that always happen along the line mm-hmm. in NFL teams. That's going to be a good thing to have. Uh, if you can plug and play somebody like that. And then I also like that second round pick with, uh, carry on Johnson. Uh, they, they need a, a running back, a, a long term running back. And it's looking like a is not that. Mm-hmm. They did get LeGarrette Blunt, uh, to be that one year stop grab. And, you know, he's a mm-hmm. Patriot mainstay. So he, he's going to be familiar with what they want to do. Uh, but, I think that was a nice young back that they picked up that they might be able to hit on. So, uh, like I said, I'm not, I don't, I don't think that they had some amazing draft, but I, I think they picked some solid players that yeah. will be around for a while. And that's the most you can ask for. Just remember, keep calm and carry on. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. That will so- probably be my fantasy football team name this year, just to make it clear. <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, guys. Uh, is there anything left for the uh, NFL draft? Uh, I'd like to add uh, before we move on. It was fun. It was a good time. Okay, now we're about to shift over to the NBA. Uh, 
obviously we have the playoffs going on right now. Uh, this is the, for the first game we're about to touch on uh, for the new series um, is Boston versus Philly. Uh, Boston ended up getting uh, the first game um, off of Philly. Um, guys, what are your thoughts on this Boston versus Philly uh, matchup? Have to say real quick, um, you know, I was having Coach D'Antoni and Coach D'Antonio uh, for my coach of the year, but man, Bradley Stevens is really making a case for it right now how he's getting stuff done uh, with this shorthanded Boston team. Um, but guys, go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, this is one where the the better coach team won that first game. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think any of us will sit up here and say that uh, without their their two all stars, that Boston is a better, more talented team than the Sixers. It's just not the case. Yeah. But uh, Brad Stevens is he's showing that why why Boston hired. He, he's an amazing coach. He has his team ready to play, and they seem to just be picking up. The pieces, wherever they lose something, somebody steps up and does things. Uh, I'm still picking the Sixers in this series just because I just think the 76ers are too talented to lose this series. Uh, but Boston showed that they're not going to go down without a fight. And, you know, they, they did make me a little nervous about picking the Sixers uh, for this series. Yeah. How uh, how many games do you think it'll take these Sixers so wait, they got to go seven, six. What do you think? Well, I was thinking five at first, but now I'm more like six since Boston took game one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm actually going to slide with Boston on this one. Um, not because I think Boston's the better team. Uh, I think Boston's a better coach, and I think Boston's a better leadership. Um, the young talent uh, Boston has right now, I'm, I've just been super impressed with Tatum. Rozier, Brown, um, just to name a couple. It's it's honestly amazing what these young guys are doing. They're carrying this this team. Um, granted, Al Horford had a really nice game one. Uh, I don't think we, we can ignore that fact. A guy who was quiet, really, for the majority of the year uh, didn't have an Al Horford type of year. Uh, you know, just I, I think that Boston – fights harder than Philly does. I think Philly is kind of, they're a momentum team. Uh, they're a team that gets confident, that gets cocky and runs. And that's great because it works for them. But I think Boston will beat them with fundamentals. They'll beat them with good coaching. They'll beat them with just smart basketball. Um, I think both teams are very equally talented. I, I, I do like the Sixers team. I just think that Boston has a, a few more of the intangibles. Wow. This, I, I know just for me, man, this is a tough one, man, because, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, just with the intangibles, uh, Boston just plays smart basketball. Uh, they're just clicking, getting things done together right now. But if just on paper, man, if you just look at this team, man, I would pick Philly. Uh, I think I'm still going to go with Philly um, in this series. Just think they just got some nice young pieces. Um, that can just go out there, man. Just when they're working together, they can get the job done. Just wondering, you know, just with this, uh, Philly team, will that kind of be a, will, the, will this loss kind of fire them up? Kind of like with the, how Miami, uh, fired them up with their loss against them. So really looking forward to see, um, 
just how, how they planned his bounce back from that L and everything, man, because uh, this is a young, talented team, and I really think they can get this done. But I was very shocked that they lost the uh, first game of the series against Boston. Um, just for sure. And I will add this too, man. One thing that's uh, kind of been kind of annoying uh, with some of these analysts and stuff, man, uh, you know, saying that, you know, Philly, this is they lost game one. You know, if they lose a series, they need to kind of break up the team a little bit or whatever. Um, I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. They have some nice young pieces on this team uh, that still have not reached their uh, potential yet. Uh, those guys are still developing. They still learn how to play some NBA basketball. And for just uh, to see how some of these analysts kind of trash the team after getting that uh, loss against Boston, um, I just think that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, these are some young guys out there still adjusting to some playoff basketball, um, but just learning the game, man. So I thought that was just absolutely stupid um, for some of these analysts to say, uh, just regarding this Philadelphia team. Yeah, any any analyst that said anything about breaking up this team, uh, even if they lost this series, this their their best two players are like three years deep in the league. Yeah, like come, well, one of them's one year deep or two technically, but yeah, just come on, like that, that would be yeah, just ridiculous. Anybody that said that they probably need to be taken off the air for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just hearing some of that, and I was just like, wow, that is pretty ridiculous, you know. With youth like that, man, just going out there, just balling. Um, guys that are definitely going to be uh, the head of the league, um, you know, a couple of years down the road. Uh, for just to hear that, I was just like, man, this is, wow. You wonder how some of these guys get that job, man. But, yeah, it was interesting. But anything else for Boston or Philly, guys? Nope. All right. Up next, uh, we got Cleveland versus the Six. Uh, Toronto Raptors. Um, guys, thoughts about this series? Cleveland has some Toronto. I don't, I don't know. Well, LeBron has some kind of hold on Toronto. They, as good as they can look uh, in the regular season and through the playoffs, but once they match up with the Cavaliers, they find a way to screw it up. Yes, and I mean, it. It they they even look good for three quarters. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you get to the you get to the fourth quarter, and somehow over the last ten minutes they turned into a dumpster fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were they like three for eighteen or something? Yeah. Like that in the final minutes, like unbelievable. But my question is, how much does LeBron have to do by himself? He single-handedly is beating the Toronto Raptors. For sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, he got a good game from, you know, J.R. Smith and all that. But I believe LeBron led the team in, like, eight categories. Yeah. That's just, uh I don't know that I'm... It might be the first time I'm doing this, but I might use the comparison I used for Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Jack Nicklaus might be the best golfer of all time, but Tiger Woods is the most dominant. I might say LeBron's more dominant than Michael Jordan. You could 
the argument still up there because I don't know that I saw Michael Jordan literally carry a team like this. It like this Cleveland team is not good. They're just not. But LeBron's great. And for some reason, that's enough to beat a very good Raptors team. And it, 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 it it's almost stupid because, like Darnell said, the Raptors look so good for so long, and they get to this point, and you lose home court to one guy. I'll give you, as somebody that's been able to watch most of both of the careers, this... This deal with LeBron in Toronto is very similar to what Jordan had over Cleveland. Mm, that's a good point. There's just certain teams that there's, just... There's another level. Yeah, that just would buckle against somebody. I mean, in the late 80s, early 90s with uh, Brad Doherty uh, and Mark Price, Craig Elo. Those are good teams. But just some for some reason... Once 23 was over them, 23 and 23 for Toronto, I guess, but once they were looking at that jersey and that player, they would crumble. And that just seems to be the case with Toronto right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, just me looking at the game, you know, I've said it plenty of times uh, with other, you know, players and teams and whatnot, but Toronto needs somebody to put their foot up their ass for losing that game, man. Um they, I, I really thought they was going to end up pulling it off and winning that one, but they just found a way to choke. Uh, choked that one away, in my opinion. Um, still pretty impressed with DeRozan and Lowry. Um, overall, uh, the stats were pretty good. Uh, they've been clicking so far. I'm still, you know, waiting a little bit to see if they are going to, you know, dysfunction um, like they previously um, have uh, throughout the rest of the years. But so far, they've been clicking overall with the stats together and everything. But... Just, yeah, that Toronto uh, team really disappointed me, um, you know, with that uh, with that loss. Now, I don't know if Drake, you know, was talking on the sideline and fired the Cleveland uh, team up or what, <laughs> man. But, you know, yeah, uh, Toronto just gave that one um, away, in my opinion. I really think that they should have won that one uh, for sure. Well, yeah, no doubt they should have won that game. And to go back to Tyler's earlier point, yeah, this Cleveland team is not very good. And at some point, it, like, LeBron was already looking gassed by the end of that uh, oh, yeah. series yeah. With, with Indiana. Yeah. If he, ha- if he has to still do the same thing for this whole series, if, if he does survive this one and get past Toronto, which if, if game one is in any indication, he may just do it. I don't see how they make it back to the finals. Just. Him having to just put this kind of a team on his back when you have to match up against another team that is actually talented and not scared of of LeBron, he's not going to be enough by himself. As great as he is, he's yeah. going to need some help. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, now just to shift it over to the West uh, before we get into the series. Uh, just to ask you guys a quick little question about Paul George real quick, um, just with OKC losing to the Jazz. Uh, just how confident are you that Paul George will end up returning to OKC? Do you think that's a wrap that he won't be in Oklahoma anymore, or you think they could make it happen? Or just how, what do you think? Thoughts on him? 
I'm not confident at all on it. I do, I do think he probably has his eyes on LA. Most likely. Uh, if, if he doesn't, if he doesn't go to LA, I'll be shocked. Uh, and I, I guess I'd be even more shocked if he came back to, uh, Oklahoma City, especially with some of the friction that looks like is ready to start with Mello starting to chirp now about how they didn't know how to use him and all that kind of stuff and there's no way he would come off the bench and all of that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure PG is gonna want to go step into that kind of deal again. Uh but yeah, I, I think his eyes are on going home to LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not very confident he's coming back either. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, him not liking his time in Oklahoma City. You know, he probably had fun, but a first-round exit's not good. Yeah. And I think he sees something better on the horizon, probably L.A. Yeah, I can agree with you guys uh, there, man. I, just, I think that's just tough, uh, you know, with the pieces they had. um Paul George, Westbrook, and Mello, um, you know, for them to get an early round exit like that, um, just be really frustrating, man. And plus you have, you know, what Darno just mentioned, stuff going on with Mello um, and everything too, man. I just really see it hard for them to go back to LKC. So, you know, hopefully he, him and Kawhi, they could go hit up LA. So, uh, you know, but we just have to wait and see. But all right, guys, um, up next, we're about to hit Houston and the Jazz uh, with this series. Uh, right now, it's a pretty close game. Uh, we got to 82 to 84 Houston. Um, but just thoughts on this series uh, so far. This is, uh, I mean, the Jazz, they're a solid team. They're not going to be an easy out. Uh, the Rockets are going to have to do some work here. I mean, they're up 1-0, but the first game wasn't easy. This game is not going to be easy as it's a tie game moving into the end of the third quarter. So, uh, I think we're going to have a fun one here. Uh, the Jazz are a team that they have no fear. They're playing with house money. Nobody's expecting them to go far. So they're going to be able to play free. The pressure is on uh, with the talent, the emphasis on their team, expected emphasis on their team. It's on them to uh, do the work here. But uh, I'm expecting an entertaining series. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to necessarily say entertaining in terms of a seven-game series. And I don't think you would either, Darnell. I mean, I, I think it's going to be at most five. Um, but, yeah, Houston's games. Yeah, Houston's too good here. Um, you know, the Jazz will give them all they got, which I think is, you know, all we could really ask for here. Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to try to be, you know, all he can be. But, uh, yeah, I think we would all agree on the fact that Houston's just too good here. Um, I expect them to, you know, to take the series fairly easily. And, uh, you know, we'll... You know, just wait and see. But yeah, I, I I think James Harden's got enough to you know, as long as he's scoring twenty five plus, which he's doing already tonight. 
um, Houston has nothing to worry about right now. And uh, as as hard as they'll have to play, it'll probably be the hardest four or five game series they will ever play this year. I mean, because I think we imagine if the, if they get Golden State, which we're all assuming they will, that series will go a little bit further than four or five. Yeah, I agree uh, with what you guys uh, saying. You know, just with this series, uh, I think it's going to be a really competitive one. But I do have Houston winning this one. Uh, but just overall, I'm pretty impressed with this Jazz team. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't have them going far or anything, but they're playing some competitive uh, basketball. Get some pretty premier teams. So uh, just good to see them going out there competing with, uh, with the pieces that they have um, and everything. And plus, you know, when they got down to the mission, he's been balling out of his mind. So it's been uh, very good just to see this team uh, just work together, man, and, you know, just try to get things done on the court. It's been, been a fun team to watch. Now we have Golden State and New Orleans. Uh, just thoughts on this series, guys. I think this is where New Orleans' nice run pretty quickly runs to an end. Uh, just seeing a game, one with Steph coming off the bench, but seeing them have a full team, uh, the Warriors kind of just showed that they're back to being a fully focused team. Uh, and they're playing playoff basketball. And as, as good as, as good as New Orleans has played, uh, for the second half of the year leading into the playoffs. I think they're seeing what that next level is for a championship team. Uh, AD has basically been shut down by Draymond over, uh, two games. And, and now Steph comes back at game two off the bench, clowning, hitting all kinds of threes. <laughs> so I, I, I think the most important, the most entertaining thing about this series is basically just happened with Draymond and Barkley talking about fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd pay to see them in a ring. Uh, you know, but yeah, Darn Darnell hit it right on the head. You know, I said it last week. It's going to be a big series for Draymond Green. He's almost had, he had triple double in the first game, almost had triple double in the second. He's playing great defense on, uh, on Davis, he's playing really good offense. I just this series is built for Draymond Green. You get Anthony Davis on defense, which he wants, and you I believe he's not guarding Draymond on offense. So it's like he, he's being matched up against somebody offensively who can't guard him, and defensively he's getting what he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, talk about stroking the ego, which when you get Draymond going, he's going. But, you know, it, it's – Golden State's really good. You get Steph Curry back. You're just adding fuel to the fire. And like you said, you know, he comes on the floor, runs off a screen, drops back, just pops a three. I mean, if that doesn't explain how good that team is, I don't know what would. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add uh, for the series? Uh, I think the writing's on the wall for the Western Conference Finals, um, especially if the Rockets go up 2-0 tonight. Uh, I think the writing will definitely be on that wall, but I think there's still some questions to go in the East, which will be exciting. Yeah, I didn't uh, ask you guys, but um, you guys think 
Uh, well, I know Darnell, you said uh, last week you got Cleveland making it to the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. But, one, do you still feel that way? Uh, you think you guys think Toronto could take Cleveland, or you think Cleveland has a series of work? Toronto should win this series. They should win this series based on what these two teams are and like what we've seen that Cleveland is, which is just LeBron trying to basically kill himself and drag eleven other guys to a win. Yeah. But I think there's some I think there is seriously a mental block with Toronto facing up against this team. Yeah. And until they until they can get over it, which would mean winning a game convincingly and like getting their confidence up to see that they are a better team than Cleveland. I'm just not, I saw, I'm still fine saying Cleveland gets past them right now. Uh, it's up to Toronto. Well, Proves me wrong. Well, game, game two and three are going to be the biggest games of the series. Um, because, can, well, can Cleveland build the 2-0 lead and, and can Toronto win on the road? Yeah. Um, if Cleveland builds the 2-0, I think the chances are very slim. Yeah. Um, you know, if Toronto wins game two and can maybe come out win game three, then we definitely got a series. Um, I just think we can't afford to see Cleveland steal the second one on the road. Yeah. I agree. Agree with that as well. All right, guys, uh, to close this out, uh, must we got to talk about the Detroit Pistons. Uh, got to give you a shout out again too, Darnell. You've been saying it over and over again. Uh, regard Stan Van Gundy. Um, you know, regarding next year, you know, the possible changes with him, uh, whether he was continue to be the president or just stick with, uh, just being the coach. Uh, seems like the Pistons want that right now. Uh, the Pistons want him back. Uh, but they're definitely looking for changes in their front office. And it seems like Stan Van Gundy is a little bit resistant on doing that. Um, this, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Um, you know, just in terms of Stan Van Gundy and the Pistons, uh, possible changes to this position. Well, I mean, they have to see that Stan has to see he's just too much on his plate and he's not going to be both. It's not. There's, there's very few people that can handle kind of doing everything uh, at this pro level as far as coaching and uh, making personnel decisions as far as trades, not in-game personnel, like substitutions. So I think, I think Stan is a good coach. I'm just not sure if he, he may know the type of players he wants on a team, but he probably needs somebody else looking over his shoulder that he can relay that information to, and a GM can try to make try to make that better personnel fit. I just but, think he has too much on his plate right now. Yeah, I yeah. just think it's it's too much trying to do all of that, especially. It's I think it's a little easier to do that, like how Belichick kind of handles it in the NFL because this is a sixteen game season. You have a whole week to kind of look at these things. In the NBA, you're playing multiple games a week, trying to figure out fits and all this kind of stuff and matchups and game plans. I just think it's I think it's too much. Uh, so it's just he needs to either give the reins up. He, he I think he needs to give the, the front office reins up 
and and just be a coach. Do do what we know you're good at. Yeah. Let somebody else give you the players and, and you make it work on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I would kind of agree. I, I think I, I don't necessarily want to say his coaching days are done because I still think he'd be a hot commodity in the NBA. I think someone would take the chance with it. But, like, I mean, the guy got one team to a finals. Um, you know, he didn't win it all. Um, I'm not saying he's not an accomplished coach, but I think it just shows how hard it is to win in the NBA. Um, you know, I think, you know, with the talent this business team has, they need to be bigger and better than they are. Um, this team should be making the playoffs. Granted, when they acquired Blake Griffin, they were four games back with plenty to go, and they still failed to make the playoffs. Um, I just think this Pistons team needs to be in a better state than they are. And, you know, maybe uh, getting rid of Stan Van Gundy as coach would be one step, or if they want to get rid of him as, you know, what is he, GM and you know, president. just have him be coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. President of basketball operations, yes. or whatever it is. You know, I, I think he needs to be one or the other. I don't think he needs to be both. All right, guys. Uh, anything else to add for the NBA, um, NFL? No. Uh, all right. Uh, just know one thing, man. We did, I haven't talked about it, but uh, this UFC, um, I'm pretty excited for these upcoming pay per views they got going on, man. This is gonna got some awesome pay per views coming up soon for the UFC, man. So, uh, including Ortega and Holloway, uh, Stipe and um, DC. Uh, just got some good fights, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for them. Man. I can't wait for them to come up. So, this is a fighting round. So, but other than that, guys, I appreciate y'all for tuning into the show. Um, as always, you can check us out on YouTube, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, podcast.com. Uh, just hit us up in that search engine. We're going to pop up. Also, feel free to check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Uh, love to hear from you guys. Uh, but as always, uh, like I said, appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch y'all on the next episode. Peace.